0: Hello everybody and welcome to Week of Recap here on January the 11th of 2017, our first regular episode of the new year. Chris, you pumped up?
1: I am super pumped, Nick.
0: I'm glad to hear Static. that. I'm, kinda, I'm glad to hear that because I'm kind of tired. <laughs> I'm going to be doing oh, like
1: every so often you'll turn the screen. I'm going to be like, karate move, karate move. And that's, that's to show you just how pumped up I am.
0: Good to hear. I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm a, I'm a little bit, uh, I had a late start today. Uh, I'm I'm sure that this is exactly what I need to get me going. Uh, but it's a little worn out from that. Yes, yeah, exactly. That that'll get my blood flowing. And uh by the end of this, I'll be bouncing off the walls. But for right now, just a little bit. <laughs> you'll be I guys. I,
1: you'll uh, be you'll be dancing off the ceiling, Nick, like the classic Lionel Richie song. <laughs>
0: Why do people ever reference that song? <laughs> Unless, unless someone is actually dancing in. on, the, one actually dances dance. on the ceiling, I don't know why anyone would ever think of that song.
1: Because of that fucking pimp ass beat in the background. Don't deny it, Nick. I would, I would try to mimic it, but my the the human mouth isn't created to mimic a sound so catchy and awesome. And I'm always a fighting type for the people in the chat. I
0: don't know if I've ever heard uh, Lionel where she'd be, be described as. Pimp ass before.
1: <laughs> I'm sure there was one really white black guy who did it one time.
0: One super white. He's like, oh, I know Richie's a super pimp man.
1: He's a super fly dope fiend, yo. <laughs> it was my. He mom. can
0: really. He can really kick it, G.
1: <laughs> he's pretty fly for a white guy, except he's a. He's actually one of those Negroes. <laughs> it's like, <laughs>
0: Grandma, please. <laughs> He's just so non-threatening that I mistook him for a white boy for a second there. For
1: the love of God, Grandma, get off the radio.
0: <laughs> I really love those. I paid twenty-five cents for this glad call, and you're—he's
1: <laughs> <laughs> just dank-ass me, motherfucker. <laughs> I'm like, for the love of God, Grandma, get off the phone.
0: Jesus Christ. Oh, it's it's good to be back to talking about manga. Uh, that we <coughs> that we had come out this week. Um Hells yeah, and I guess I guess actually before we get into the re- recap portion of Weekamonga recap, I guess we should uh make an announcement about yes. that.
1: We just reached a new goal on Patreon. Karate Move, karate move. We uh reached a new milestone, which was to Karate Kermit. <laughs> <laughs> uh to add new series into the recap. Uh we just reached that goal so to give you guys an explanation on how that's going to work really quick, uh, basically right now we're waiting to get suggestions from you guys because we're going to pick what series we add to the recap heavily based off of what the audience kind of recommends to us. So there are a ton of options out there, and we're kind of looking for people to send us what they'd like to see. Um, send it over to our Twitch. You can post it on Patreon. Hit our email up with it. Either one of those works. But to give you a heads up, Any series is, is like, up for it, uh, assuming, one, it's uh, an official release of it, so something that's officially released from a company, Crunchyroll Viz, Yen Press, any of those, uh, Comixology, I think, releases some, just as long as it's an official translation of it. And it needs to be not about to end, because that would be really weird to add a series that's going to end in, like, two months to it, and then uh, it needs to be at least somewhat regular. So monthly series are an option, but, but Hunter, Hunter Hunter is not. Hunter Hunter is not. I, I'd, <laughs> honestly, I, I'd even say, like, One Punch Man's not, just because that can have a really... It's got errat-
0: an odd release schedule. It's, it's yeah. got a
1: very erratic one, and uh oftentimes it also only has, like, one or two chapters. But anything else, it doesn't have to be Jump. It doesn't have to be something within the magazine. It could be something long-running. Um, just note that for the series we pick up and add to the recap, we're going to first, essentially for anything that's like a long-running series or anything like that, we're going to do it like a recommendation first, so... We'll read through it, catch up, do an episode talking about where it is right now, and then add it into the recap going forward. And we'll do a couple series like that. So they won't all come in at once. They'll kind of be staggered throughout the year, but we're going to be adding them in. Uh, Jojo Leon is not an option because there is no official release for Jojo Leon, to my knowledge. Um, but anything like on the Viz Free site that they release, so like Q, Asta Lost in Space, uh, Dragon Ball Super, those are all options. Anything that's on Crunchyroll, so Relife, Ajin, um, Attack on Titan, all those are options. Basically, we want to get the suggestions from you guys first on what ones you'd like to see the most, and then we'll kind of compile it, maybe do a poll or something like that to kind of pick what ones we do. Um, The number of which being added kind of depends on the series we pick up. So, like, if we pick up three, like, monthlies, maybe we'll pick up another one. or It'll basically just depend on how what kind of series we pick up and how frequently they come out. So, yeah, send those over. Again, Twitter yahoo dot com or shoot a message on Patreon, and I've, any one of those will work out just fine.
0: We've gotten a lot of suggestions already so far, but keep on sending them in. We, uh, uh, because if we, you know, see, for example, multiple people make the same suggestion, that's going to up its chances. Uh, I've even seen people... Uh, I saw one person make an interesting suggestion, which was do monthly series and, like, cover a different one of them each week. So you always have one of them to talk always about, which is an interesting idea. Uh, but we'll see how that goes. Yes, yeah, so
1: any of those, <clears throat> shoot them over. We'll love to hear any responses, and we're going to start adding this in. So thank you, everybody, for helping us reach this new goal. And I hope everybody's looking forward to Weekly Manga Recap expanding and becoming even... Come on, move. Better. See? you off there. Didn't know what's was going to happen.
0: No. It caught me completely off guard. Yeah. You'd be All great right. at sneak attacks if you didn't announce them.
1: I, I believe I'm perfect at sneak attacks. <laughs> Catch my surprise. Sneak attacks to, <laughs> attack to your throat, Nick.
0: All right. Let's get into a recap. Uh, we are going to kick things off with My Hero Academia. Last time, the conflict between Bakugo and Deku was resolved, uh, with All Might encouraging them to learn from each other. Uh, but we still have some consequences of them, you know, sneaking out and fighting, uh, to deal with because he's they're not broke supposed the rules. to do that. Yeah. It broke the rules. They're, they're bad kids. Look at Deku. Living outside the law. <laughs> this, <laughs> living on the edge. This
1: freakish punk. He's gonna be, he's <laughs> gonna be suiting his heroin before you know it.
0: Shooting smack. slicking <laughs> yeah, his hair up into a pompadour. Skipping school. Before you know Ride a motorcycle around. He'll be, he'll be coming up and
1: doing, uh... He'll be only showing up five minutes early instead of ten minutes early. <laughs>
0: that fucking monster. He won't have color tabs in his books anymore. He'll just highlight them without marking the page. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, chapter number 121, second semester opening ceremony. Uh basically a little bit of continuation of the conversation between All Might and Deku and Bakugo um All Might mostly speaks with Bakugo for a bit um talking about you know what it means to be a hero and also giving him more of the full backstory about uh All for One uh and uh how he was injured and why he decided to pass on his powers to Deku. But that's all done in summary. We don't see, you know, the same explanation that took chapters previously all done in real time again. So why well, is decision there? Yeah. Um Makago from all of this uh says okay yeah this is, this is obviously really important Hey, Deku, you idiot, why'd you tell me, why'd you blab about this to me? <laughs> it's kind of important you keep this a secret. Um, so, All Might draws all of this stuff to a close by saying, it was my choice to run out of power in the way that I did. It wasn't your fault. Uh, but Bakugo just says, well, that still means, you know, that I have to surpass your example. I have to become stronger than you and become the number one hero, basically. So, uh, but he does say to Deku that it's not going to be like it was before. I'm going to make all my skills my own and keep rising even higher than you.
1: I love like, Deku's response to this. He's yeah. like, I'm going to surpass you. And then like Baka just kind of gives him a look. He's like, no, I'm saying I'm going to be better than you. <laughs> That's my whole point, you idiot. And he's like, Yeah, and I can't, can't accept, accept that, that, so I have to,
0: because I have to be better than you. <laughs> it's
1: like, Bakugo has pure, like, just passion driven into it, and Bakugo, like, Deku's almost saying it, like, it's like a response, but like, but I must be better than you. It's just like, no, I'm saying that's, that's what I'm doing. I'm going to get stronger than you, because I'm always going to be better. He's like, I can't allow that. I must be better. It's like,
0: you fucking nerd. Such dorks, both of them. <laughs> um, all Might uh, is actually glad to see them bickering like this because they're more like true rivals than ever before. But as they make their way back to the dorms, uh Aizawa catches them. Um, well, he doesn't catch them, but basically once they get back inside, he ties them up with his bandages and uh gets absurdly pissed off. Uh And he even makes a note of, oh, you're fighting with each other after your exam. I'm so glad to hear you've got the energy for that. <laughs> Kind of a oh you had all that so I guess you didn't give your all in the yeah. exams kind of thing. Um, All Might tries to apologize on their behalf. Um, and we get a very brief flashback to oh yeah All Might was that figure that confronted Izan to prevent him from going after Deku and Bakugo earlier, b- before. Um, so All Might takes responsibility for the two of them fighting with each other and uh, he gives a brief ex- explanation of you know what Bakugo was going through uh and uh says yeah you know it was my failure that led to them having this fight so Aizawa goes a little bit more light on them, but he says yeah but you still broke the rules so you're you're going to get punished for this um both of them assume responsibility for causing the fight uh and Aizawa sentences them to be on he essentially grounds them. Uh He says, you're on lockdown, and you are going to clean the communal spaces for the next four days for Bakio and three for Deku. Uh And also, he tells them to, like, write essays. He, essentially, you're done doing mini-labor, and then you're going to write, I will not fight my teammates on the board 100 times.
1: It's like, god damn.
0: This is fucking no chill,
1: Aizawa. What the fuck, brah? <laughs>
0: I like how his, his when he's, because he's pointing at them while he's making his declaration, and his, his hand that's sticking forward is drawn in this very angular style. It's, it's really weird and eye catching.
1: It's, it's only something Horikoshi sensei can do. It's just that, like, very unique, sharp art
0: style of his. But only on his hand, like, his face is drawn normally.
1: Well, it happens that there's certain angles, and Horikoshi's really good at drawing, and this is, like, an angle or a situation where it really, like, Comes across prominently. Hmm.
0: So, time passes, uh, we see Deku Bakugo, you know, vacuuming the floors and stuff while everyone reacts to the news that they got. Uh, Ida observes that they're going to miss the opening ceremony for the semester. Oh no! Yeah. Um, and, uh, Todoroki, uh, also observes the fact that hey, they've got those special courses that they're supposed to do for their licenses, and Bakugo gonna miss out on that because he's on lockdown. Um, while they're cleaning after everybody's left, uh Deku just kind of strikes up a conversation. He says, "Hey, you know, what do you think of my of my shoot style?" And Bakugo actually gives him some advice because he says, "You're telegraphing your moves too much." You're faster, but I still managed to react in time. You're not, that's not good for melee fighting. So you, you should add punches to them. When you add punches to the mist, that actually really pissed me off.
1: Well, that's, that's what's interesting. I can understand him, uh, like giving him the critique. Cause that's, you know, it's Bakugo shitting on Deku. It's something I'm sure he almost kind of relishes the opportunity to do. But what's surprising is him admitting something uh, Deku did was surprising and effective. Yeah. You know, so it's, that's actually, I feel like, a pretty small but important thing to note that he finally kind of gives him a compliment.
0: Yeah. It's not nearly as backhanded when he actually provides constructive criticism. Yeah. Uh, We cut to the rest of the group as they head to their opening ceremonies. Uh Ida is being very like hey everyone come on let's get in line and not screw things up and I was like god you're such a stick in the mudy <laughs> but this is oh, my dog. fucking nerd <laughs> uh they come across class B including frickin' monoma with his stupid <laughs> act i always forget what's his power i don't know <laughs> <No>. <laughs> he didn't really fight in the uh in the skirmish during the training arc. I, so
1: I'm, I'm, I'm going to look it up because I feel yeah. like I've had to have seen it at some point, but I'm like such a loser otherwise.
0: So Kirishima is thinking, Oh, well, yeah, were you like the one person in your class that failed the exam? And Mo says, oh, No, he, actually, all he, of us passed.
1: He can copy other people's quirks. I guess we we probably don't remember because I think the only time he actually used it was during the school festival, which kind of happened in that like blank time between when we first recapped or like did it as a recommendation and when we started actually reading it. Yeah. So he hasn't done anything since, it, I don't believe. Uh.
0: We are introduced to uh one of the students of class B, Pony Sunatori. American.
1: I don't. I don't know why the American part needs to be there. I'm not sure what would have, like... I'm almost waiting for her to have, like, an American flag bikini on or something like that. <laughs> like, I'm like, where's the American come in?
0: Well, she says Teacher Vlad. Maybe that... I don't know. It, it's oh, always my God, I love weird. it. America's,
1: like, full of vampires.
0: It's It's really weird whenever there's, you know, an American or someone who speaks a lot of English in a uh, manga or anime, when that is then, you know, yeah, the adapted to English. Because then what do you do in order to explain how they're a weird foreigner?
1: Yeah. How, you know, do, you, how do you explain do the you fact that they're not
0: French? Do you have them be French, or? Yeah. But, there you go, I guess. Because she, the, there is, like, uh... There is like a little bit of awkwardness, and they do observe, sort of like, oh yeah, she's a foreigner, and she, is tr- she tries to say, you know, like, we are going to grind you into dust. And yeah, Manoma is laughing because, like, he taught her to say that, and she's very confused over it, but it's like, you know, th- it's, it's so weird, it's like, oh, she's American, so she doesn't understand this phrase.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like, and it's translated to English for the rest
0: of us. One of those barriers to adaptation? Uh, Shinso is also there, of course, and, uh, everyone kind of catches his attention. Uh, everyone's kind of looking at him because they're like, oh, he looks pretty tough, actually. Shinso, if you if you don't recall, uh, has the ability to control people if they speak near him.
1: Essentially like, uh, Purple Man if you watch Jessica mm-hmm. Jones Killgrave a little bit though not as he he there's a little bit more of a condition for it to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and
0: he has a complex because it's a, it's it's a villainous ability but he mm-hmm. wants to be a good guy.
1: And I believe this is where I keep like kept getting this wrong. He's not part of class A or B. He's not in the hero course. He's part of I think general studies.
0: Yeah, so. because there are because there's like uh there's like the engineering group. Yeah, support uh, to, group.
1: Um mm-hmm general studies. They list all of it uh, a little bit forward from here. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, its he's part of uh, the other groups that are going to the school, but he's not in the hero course.
0: Uh, the principal starts uh, giving a lecture and he goes on and on about fur quality... <laughs> at first. Why wouldn't you? Uh, and uh I like the, there's stuff going on because, uh meanwhile, because um, uh Kaminari is like just thinking to oh, himself, God, he's just going on about something completely irrelevant to what's going on, but Ojiro's tail is in his face while he's thinking that to himself. It's such a weird little, a weird little detail that has nothing to do with what's going on. Ugh. Um, finally, the principle gets to the point, which is, Hey, you know, all might, we've, we've lost all might. So, uh, you've got to be more aware of the threats out there than ever. Uh, especially those of you who are in the hero course, uh, or you've got to really pick things up because the world is more dangerous than ever. Be more aware of threats. Um, uh, and then he moves on to say, like, oh, yeah, you know, we're, we're trying our, to do our best from making things super dreary. We hope to inspire an industrious th- ethic in you young men and women. Uh The business course, the general studies course, the support course, and the hero course, do not forget that it's all of you who will inherit this society. And then he walks off, you know, from the podium. He's like, I kept it nice and short. Ha. <laughs> no, you didn't uh All Might is there observing everything, and uh he recalls a conversation that he had with the principal earlier on uh the principal saying if it's', a, if it's a success for excess uh, <laughs> a success you're searching for you'll find no fire environment first youngtown then u a uh join us as an educator back back you know back back really is how having trouble talking today um and uh there was a uh, I guess a suggestion that he made, uh, and all my remote gear calls, when I was looking for my successor, I got that, a request from UA that there was already someone here who would make the perfect successor. And he looks into the crowd, and I believe that, uh, this is Shota, Shinzo, that he's looking at.
1: I'm um... fairly certain
0: that's who it is
1: it's really tough to say.
0: It's hard to tell from the side because, you know, that's an angle we don't really see characters at too often. And Shinzo's hair isn't the most distinct in the world.
1: Yeah. it's tough. A lot of people have
0: that poofed out hairstyle.
1: Um, I'm not sure if he, he is or not. Um, I would assume that it's not but it could very well possibly. Uh, I feel like the eyebrows maybe are a little bit different, but I, I just didn't consider him when it, when it happened. Um, I thought it was maybe them introducing us to a new character, but regardless of who it is, I mean, it's kind of an interesting premise that all for one, or at least the principal kind of already saw a successor for all for one, mm-hmm. one for all rather, uh, within the school itself. So kind of curious to find out what that's about since obviously
0: it went to Deku instead. Yeah would be that kind of uh, that Neville Longbottom situation. There could have been a different chosen one.
1: <laughs> yeah, but this is a Neville who apparently didn't work out, though, in some way, because obviously he was chosen not to do it. It wasn't like Harry Potter showed up and he's like, this is a far better successor.
0: <laughs> oh, this powerless guy is going to work out instead. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> this
1: dude with no abilities at all is much better than this Neville Fatbottom or something. <laughs> Longbottom! Longbottom! <laughs> Neville Fat Shit over there! No! Stop getting fat! I'm gonna grow
0: to I'm gonna grow to be really hot just to spite you.
1: Sure you are, Neville Fat Fat. It's not. You're not even getting the bottom part anymore.
0: Neville Chubby Chubby Fat Stain. Big blob. Big tubby butt,
1: fat, ugly face. (laughs) Like that's so many more words than my name is. Mega
0: husk chunk.
1: (laughs) Stop it. I'm going to, I'm paying to go to this school. <laughs> this isn't fair.
0: Paying in humiliation.
1: Uh Yeah, I, I think it's going to be kind of interesting to see what happens from this. It's uh, it, an addition to the overall narrative of the All Might story that I wasn't kind of expecting the idea that there was someone else in line before Deku that was passed over. If it is so I mean, that'd be incredible. I think he was a really interesting character and definitely one I'd like to see more of. So even the fact he just got the little pass by with people being like, wow, he feels like he's gotten stronger was pretty cool for me because I, I like that character. But uh I think regardless of who it is, it's at least an intriguing proposition. Um, I'll have to see how that actually works out because I was also really excited for Yaroshi, Yaroshi whatever his name was, and that did not turn out to be particularly uh, exciting, but uh we shall see.
0: Well, it's also going to be interesting because they make a note of the fact that classes A and Zambi are going to be taking some classes together at this point, mm. so we should be seeing some more of Tetsu Tetsu and company. Tetsu Tetsu, yes.
1: All right, let's move on then to Fairy Tale. Two chapters mm-hmm. for this week—a double yes. dosage since uh, we were without Fairy Tale one week. So this is going to be Fairy Tale chapters 515 and 516, starting with 515. I am you. Da da da. You are me. So, we're in the flashback for Irene, Urza's mom, who is trying to explain why she has a uh, dragon lineage within her and everything that's happening. And the way it's explained is that she was married to a general from a neighboring country, and it was a political marriage made at the time when humans warred with each other over territory. The two of them were kind of like, uh, on-field, like, partners more or less, and he was there when she had to say goodbye to Belserian, which is the dragon. But he had nothing but contempt for the countless dead bodies he left in his wake. And after this, uh Urza's mom, Irene, started exhibiting the transformation into a dragon that she mentioned last week. And apparently, her husband was such an like, in inconsolable douchebag that he's like, you're a monster! You're a freakish monster monster! So, <laughs> it's not just that he's like, I'm angry, like, I find you hideous and, and despicable. He's like, I find you so detestable that I'm just going, I'm going to put you through a litany of fetishy horseshit. He's like, I'm, I'm ang- evil! Evil, 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 evil. Evil, it's, evil, evil, evil. It is... A a flat-out, like, three-page, uh, just fucking burial of this guy immediately, like, no, don't like Urza's dad, he's a dickhead. Uh, he screams about how he doesn't want a monster for a child, when referring to the fact that Irene is pregnant with Urza. He imprisons Irene, uh, has her tortured, which is, of course, like, a vaguely sexual kind of torture.
0: Yeah, I mean, Um, like, because she's wearing this thing that barely covers her body, Mm-hmm. Uh, for the actual torture, and they make note of the fact that at one point she is essentially crucified while it's, it's,
1: She's displayed, yeah. She's displayed nude, yeah. she's beaten, she's tortured, um, and then thrown back in her cell to, I guess, you know, be miserable and in pain. Uh, and the entire time, she's noting, like, I'll protect my child, I'll protect my child. And... The husband comes to it, and is like, your date of execution's been determined. She's like, please, spare the life of this child. He's like, hey, I was kind of curious. It's been three years. Are you going to have this kid? <laughs> and apparently, Irza has, or Irene has been using magic to delay her own birth. And it's a very, very effective delay, because not only has it been three years that she hasn't had this fucking kid yet, she's not even showing, because that wouldn't be no. sexy, I guess. <laughs> it's- Three years. That, would, be, that
0: would that would go into too many sub fetishes if it were torture. Dragon, pregnant. <laughs> yeah,
1: three years, not even a bump. Uh, so he, of course, is so evil. He's like, "I'm gonna split you in two! and she goes super dragon evil. Um, I don't know if it's explicitly noted that she kills him, but she crushes him underneath his claw, and I, I don't know if it's meant that he'll be around anymore. God fucking knows he probably will. Fairy tale. Urza will have to have her comeuppance against him maybe, but. She turns into a dragon, goes out, goes crazy, starts flying about after a s- Pretty cool looking dragon. Uh, it's not bad. Uh, I feel like heroes are usually pretty good at drawing dragons and things like that. Um, as she's flying about, she's screaming like, I'm a drag, I- I'm a human, somebody help me, I'm a human, I'm not a dragon, I wanna be a human again, put me in my human body. And several centuries pass of her doing this, and you can... Just, With you in my womb all the while! Yeah, has not given birth to Urza yet, and you can only assume then that in this time, in these several centuries, she's just gone bananas. Because <laughs> she finally does meet Zarif, Uh And he does allow her... He uses his magic to turn her back into a human. Um, but then, even though she's a human, she finds... Food doesn't have a taste to it, and and she can't sleep, and she's she's cold, and she's itchy, and she doesn't really feel like a real human, and she's, she's talking to herself, I am a human, I am a human, I want to give birth to a hu- my child as a human, my human child with a human body, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, and she, she comes up with this idea that she could give birth to a child and enchant the child in such a way that she could then take over the child's body. Um, so that's like her new villainous plan that she will give birth to child and then take over its body and thus be able to live a normal life However, it didn't work it didn't work, <laughs> it didn't work and it's almost like it's thrown away in like a three sentence thing like it didn't work so I threw you away like oh, garbage <laughs> I, I guess she's like I threw you away into a weird slavery tower thing I made sure to find the worst possible place a
0: child could be born, and I tossed you into there. Chucked you. Because uh, you were worthless to me. Uh,
1: but Ursa says, I thank you for bringing this wor- bringing me into this world, and I have to thank you for abandoning me as well, because if you hadn't, I would have never found my true family. And she says this as she fucking uh exquips into a, a fucking, like, bunny outfit. Which, would, yeah. it wouldn't be annoying in and of itself. Bunny yeah. armor! Like, it wouldn't be so, just, like, obviously weird. Like, the, the whole, like, kind of general outfit would be okay. Except that she has to actually have, like, a fucking helmet with bunny ears on it. Like, <laughs> it's so
0: weird, it like, doesn't do a damn thing.
1: <laughs> you're just like, if you just got rid of it, I'd consider it, like, everything else. But the fucking bunny ears are really weird. Unnecessary. Um, I'm not going to talk too much on this chapter, to try to get everything together, but I will just note that the, the backstory explanation there felt really gratuitously like evil to Urza's mom. I don't know. Uh, chapter 516 then follows us up. The essence of enchant. And what happens here is Urza is now committed to fighting against Irene and they have a battle. Um, and not only does Urza fight, uh, Wendy is getting involved as well because she, to quote, says, you said you do not love your own daughter, and that is something I cannot forgive. So, the two of them are working in tandem, and...
0: Uh, and I'm they're... here, too. <laughs> oh,
1: fuck, I didn't even notice this. When Urza does the attack, she has a little fucking cotton bunny tail, too. Good lord. Uh, Why? Uh,
0: like, like every single lunge that Urza does seems to be for the purpose of uh, bending over and spreading her legs so that you can see uh, her uh, bunny leotard camel toe. It's
1: I'm almost used to that, but I'm just like, why would the armor you bring up for such an important fight have a bunny tail on <laughs> it? It would be like, you know, like how Bunny uh, Ribbon has that bunny costume, like, skin? It'd be like if that became her default one or something like that. You're like, I get it, to a point, but this is pretty ridiculous for something that's meant to be taken seriously. <laughs> uh, however, because Wendy has is, is interfered, <clears throat> Irene starts to talk to her, and she's like, Oh, my little dragon, star, you do remember the dragon seed I spoke of? The one that will turn you all into dragons? There's an identical one inside of you. And Wendy's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> but my mom used magic to make sure none of us would actually turn into dragons. You're like, alright. <laughs> feel like this could have been brought up a little bit more earlier. <laughs> Rather than like, abruptly being like, yeah, but it doesn't affect us.
0: <laughs> That's... It is really, I mean, yeah, between the two chapters, I got it into my head after hundreds of years of suffering, wanting a human body again. I realized I could enchant myself into you, but it didn't work. <laughs> and then, of course, you have, have, there is this thing inside of all of dragon slayers that will slowly turn them into monstrous dragons. Yeah, but that won't work.
1: Yeah, doesn't work on us. My mom protected us from it. <laughs> but she didn't tell you about it, apparently.
0: It's not even like like imagine even if so much as like this declaration took place in just like a full page spread like just an image of uh uh of Ariana Grande or YOLO or whatever the fuck her name was of uh, just of her like cl- like a like an image of her like clustered protectively around like the five dragon slayers just in a full page spread with Wendy saying. Thanks to my mother's magic, she suppressed the dragon seeds so that we won't dragonify. Like, even that would be so much better than what we get, which is there's so much going on that it has to happen in a rush of panels.
1: It's probably it, something.
0: There's would- no way to this 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 thing that, like, oh, that danger that's going to affect Natsu and the other dragon slayers, it's actually, you know, it you know, doesn't exist. Everything's going to be fine.
1: I feel like it probably is something that was explained at one point throughout the various points of this series, but because Fairy Tail likes to introduce a lot of the like details of a plot point at once, it's something that going back, yes, retroactively, if I remembered everything that happened at Fairy Tail, I could probably be like, oh yeah, there was that one line that said something like that. But very little things are are really hinted at going forward, so it's kind of like a confusing element of trying to remember all that stuff and then grasping the fact that all these details are kind of coming out at once in a rather clunky manner. Um, because we then cut away to Natsu, who is still in his fucking heart dream sequence. Right. And I don't even know who... Oh, it's Ignel who's talking to him, who says, You have a dragon seed inside of you, too, but I stopped its growth, and it should have remained dormant forever. Um... Natsu presumes that it's because he left his body that the seed is now not dormant anymore. But Ignas like, no, it's because there's a demon seed within you, the end of root, and the two seeds are attempting to merge at one. And you are going to die. Suck it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, right, Sorry, bro. I'm like, fair enough. Uh So we cut back to Irene. And she's like... Ah, see, so the dragon slayers, or the dragons entered your bodies to keep the dragon seeds from growing. But, this is very uh, good for me, because I needed a magic... uh, Basically, I couldn't inhabit my own daughter. It didn't work that way. But... For some reason. Oh, oh, sorry, hold on. There's actually a little bit between that, where she gets really angry, and she's like, I just want my body back! And they have a little fucking fight. (coughs) They boost stats, which still sounds fucking stupid. I have to go back and see if the official transcript... It's not fair! But it's, I want to be a human. <laughs> yeah, I want to go back and read when I think Urza first introduced one of her new armors and someone described it like, with that armor, she takes half damage from fire attacks. It's like, what a fucking video gamey way to describe things. And that's what Wendy's powers always are. She's like, I boost your physical attributes by double. And I'm like, thanks, fucking game facts.
0: <laughs> uh,
1: but Irene's countering with her own enchantment spells. And she's like, ah, it wasn't, weren't compatible. That's why it didn't work out. But what is compatible is a dragon slayer and an enchanter. I can, you are compatible and I can take over your body. And she, she actually does it. She starts, you know, spreading her influence into Wendy instead. And she's like, oh, how I waited for this moment. My magical abilities have been reduced, but that is of no matter. It's like. Why didn't you just wait until you killed her
0: name and then take it? <laughs> I feel like this is And the kill Urza whole- and then become Wendy.
1: Yeah. She's like, now I have it! A new body! A new lifetime! Irene has been reborn! I better give myself an important haircut to, to celebrate this monumental occasion.
0: Oh, man, this dress isn't nearly cleavage-boosting enough. It needs to be a little shorter, too. It's like, it's barely a dress. <laughs> Don't do this. Um, it's, such a, it's such an awkward way to end the chapter with evil Wendy. <laughs>
1: It's just something where you're just... <laughs> I don't know. Uh, that's, the, that's the chapters for this week. And we do get a lot of details out of this. Um, and I feel like the amount of detail placed on the fact that Urza's mom had such a shitty past means she'll probably get a redemption in the end. Like... As she's dying, she'll probably be like, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to do this to you. And Urza will share a fucking moment with her. And if this arc, or this series goes for another arc, her mom will get to come back and give like a hero moment and fight alongside Urza. Probably in like matching fucking leopard bikinis or something like that. But, uh, yeah, the Wendy thing, I mean, it's. it's
0: it seems to like have come the- out of nowhere.
1: It did. It didn't really feel like this was the most important kind of. It, d- it doesn't scare me. Like, it's the thing. Like, I feel like no. for something like this, you should be like, oh, my God. But the fact that, it one, it's Wendy, who's never really been all that cool. And two, she already knows I got weaker to go into yeah. this form. It's not like, now that I'm in a human body, my powers amplified even greater. It's like, no, I got shittier to use a body you don't care about.
0: I mean, I, mean, I could I have know. turned it, since I hate Urza so much, I could have turned into a dragon and ate her. Yeah. But, uh... <laughs>
1: so... I don't don't know. We'll have to see what kind of comes out of this, but, uh, it's definitely not. I guess this
0: also has the advantage of she's no longer fighting Urza and Wendy too. She's only got to fight Urza.
1: Yeah. She has that advantage going for her. She has neutralized her, but it's just that fact of like having to note, I got weaker to get into this form. It's just like, yeah, I feel like that's something you wouldn't want to mention because it kind of takes away from the whole body transfer thing.
0: Even also knowing how powerful and, uh, dominant Irene's magic is. Because she did, of course, do that, uh, you know, continent rearranging magic. Uh So we know that she's got incredible abilities. But even with that, it just kind of seems to just happen really easily for her to just take over and transfer her consciousness to someone else's body. It just happens yeah, she doesn't really, really, really quickly.
1: She doesn't have to be next to them or anything like that. I just want to note, too, I forgot about T mentioned how fucking worthless was that continent rearranging thing? She's like, I split up fairy tale for a couple weeks! <laughs> Didn't do anything else!
0: Well, it gave us time to regather the spring in 12. <laughs> all the fucking good that did!
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, that's fairy tale. We, we missed two chapters, but I don't know if we missed all that much.
0: Not really. Okay. So then we are going to be moving on to uh, Food Wars: Shokugeki no Soma. Uh hopefully winding down the uh cyber flashback. Uh so it is chapter 197 The Scarred One. Uh which sounds way too badass on uh for. And then he cooked food, honestly. Yeah. Um, we open with basically just everyone for the Polaris dorm, kind of just walking down the street through campus. Uh, everyone, you know, making a note of how badass they are. Uh, even, uh, Xiaomi, um, get, is getting attention, even though she's, you know, this little first year at this point. Um, and, uh, you know, of course, at the very, of course, Saiba is the one who's getting the most attention out of all of them. Um, we see Joey Tro presenting a dish to a group of uh you know freaking what do you even call them patrons to the to the university oh he's uh, in a com- he's in another co- competition yeah, yeah. uh a, a female judge's clothes explode off he wins a trophy he's like yay i, I
1: yeah i i kind of enjoy this because it's like the judge is like I'm the daughter of a historic restaurant. No matter what the taste is, I must remain dignified. Takes a bite. Oh, my clothes! Boom! Orgasm, orgasm, orgasm. It's just like, you shouldn't have thought it. That was what your bad part was. <laughs>
0: you shouldn't you have built of, yourself up. You should have just relaxed.
1: You <laughs> kind of did yourself in with that.
0: You were working yourself up already. So, uh... So I have a, People are like, oh, yeah, you... Uh, can you try out my, 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 my dish? Oh yeah, sure. sure. Can we make a competition out of it? No. Can you just, no. You're, you'll make me have a food orgasm and then you won't even, uh, no. Um, June makes the observation that Saiba hasn't been making any of his weird mashups recently. You know, the, the squid with the peanut butter kind of stuff. Uh, Saiba's like, Oh, well, if you want to try some stuff, then, you know, okay, you know, but, uh, but, um, yeah, it, it is a note that both she and Dojima make, which is, you know, you used to do this daily, and you sometimes you even made them for shokugeki's, and side the counters with, well, you're the one who, you know, yelled at me whenever I would, you know, screw around like that. Um, and, uh, so... Basically, they're just noting a change in his behavior. And, uh, Azami and Ojima have a conversation later on when they're doing council work, you know, in the typical, we have mountains of paper in front of us that we have to sign and fill out. And it's like, how can a high school crew have this much work to do? <laughs> it's, they look like they're, they're, it looks like this is their freaking full-time job. <laughs> um, let's see here. Nojima uh, basically notes that uh, Saiba doesn't really have any competition anymore. Everyone's too intimidated by him ever since, you know, he did that 50 on one challenge uh, a few months beforehand. Uh, we actually get a brief, brief uh, introduction to the fourth seat on the council who doesn't get any lines. She's just kind of there with them handling paperwork.
1: I, I imagine she must be a character who's going to be prominent in some fashion later on, cause there's a, a first, like, the first, the, the title page for this week shows the Polaris Storm kind of walking forward, and it's the three characters we obviously know, and then June, she's mm-hmm. in there, and there's also another guy who's kind of prominently in that shot, who's kind of like, got like a, like a punkish kind of slouch going on to him. Yeah. And, and I feel like these- And Greek,
0: kind of, and Ebizawa the fourth scene, is also with them.
1: Yeah, so I feel like it's likely going to be Possibly a character who is significant later on, maybe like a teacher or something like that. You know, who mm-hmm. knows, but.
0: It's not like Shokuyaki no Soma doesn't have enough characters, as it's
1: Or fuck, it could be Soma's mom, who knows?
0: <laughs> That's a good point, we never not She met her.
1: dies from food orgasm. <laughs> it's so delicious!
0: Saiba and his wife never actually had sex, he just fed her food <laughs> and sent <laughs> an immaculate <laughs> mac- conception. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well they called it an immaculate confection because it was a really delicious oh, that but for god's sake she had a virgin birth virgin oil birth but
0: oh. so, you get what i'm going at here it's really, it really a miracle oh my god we get it you've never gotten laid <laughs> oh he's
1: <laughs> like but if you consider the amount of women i've given orgasm to with my food i am a skank <laughs>
0: They really want well to taste my sausage. No, really, they like my sausage. Yeah, I, I have
1: great sauce. I've kept my capasa is amazing. Also, my dick tastes yummy.
0: <laughs> my spotted my dick.
1: Spotted dick, of course. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I fucking hate you, Jojo. I hate you so much.
0: Anyway, so. Uh, time goes by, um, Joichiro randomly barges in, uh, to challenge, uh, Dojima and Azami to another cooking competition. And, uh, they say, Hey, don't you, you know, have to get to a competition in a few days and then next month you've got the, you know, the blue to prepare for. And it's like, Oh, come on. I've got to keep my sense of competition. Oh, come on, let's do it. And, you know, we can, we can have a Shokugeki, uh, we then get a visual continuing the, you know, Joichiro was the one who blazed the path, and we follow behind him metaphor. And uh is thinking to himself, Oh, Azami was probably right. I'm not worried. I'm worrying over nothing. Joichiro was fine. He could stand up to any storm, no matter how harsh. But within the visual, as they're striving forward, a branch comes flying through the air, and it hits Saiba in the arm. And uh, they're like, Oh, are you all right? Yeah, I'm fine. But he's got a bleeding gash in the arm. Is is this metaphor getting through to you, Chris? <laughs> he, he's striving down. He's blazing a path, but it's it's wearing down on him mentally.
1: I, I guess this is trying to say something about his relationship with his father. That's <laughs> trying sure to, sure to symbolism.
0: And have sex with your mother. <laughs> That is why you are always making the sausage jokes.
1: <laughs> your father is the branch coming through the wind, smacking you in the arm.
0: <laughs> Sometimes a sausage is just a cigar.
1: <laughs> By the way, I loved your cigar, Zagel Basel, as you gave me. It was very tasty. I am Italian now. <laughs> I'm leaving out the walls, Mario style, Get to die.
0: A uh, famous Italian <laughs> psychologist, Segment Freud. <laughs> the most Italian person,
1: Antonio Freud, as you know. <laughs> My name is Mario Freud. <laughs> you don't want to know. This uh, is I, I tell you what you think about the cabinet, and I make a very nice pizza pie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's me, Doctor Mario Freud. <laughs> You got to match up the colors in order to psychoanalyze,
1: (laughs) (laughs) and you had to figure out your of complex.
0: Oh god! Uh, um, We get a montage of people, you know, having high expectations of of Saiba. You know, judges being like, "Oh, you'll lead us into like a freaking glory area," and even foreign news programs are talking about him about a high school cooking student. I should point out. Anyway, Uh all the while, Saiba is getting more and more torn up by his journey into the howling winds. And uh he's thinking to himself, if I'm going to clinch the gold medal of the blue, I have to reach yet another new world of taste. And then what kind of dish will I make after that? What will be my next goal? The next? The next? Which goal is next? I have to keep moving forward. Keep finding new gourmet, new flavors. And as he's thinking this, he starts eventually just start limping along with one of his legs is not working anymore so he keeps on trying to push towards his next goal um and then it ends gets to the point where like it's like the day before the competition and uh, we see through Saiba's eyes uh as people you know are giving him some last minute encouragement you know Fumio saying hey you know you, you should get some rest tonight and maybe Maybe think about having a sabbatical afterwards and that's on me saying I, you know, I'm so privileged to get to watch you from this close vantage point, and I have so many hopes for tomorrow uh, and then eventually Dojima comes to him and he starts to say something but he's like eh, you, yeah do your best tomorrow Um until we eventually see Saiba just kind of staring down at his own reflection in a plate and he sees that battered image that we've gotten in the, in the uh, metaphor to this point. And, uh, it's the next day, and, uh, Dojima, Dojima goes into Saiba's room, uh, to try and, you know, get him ready for him to be taken to the blue, uh, and he's not there. His, uh, clothing and his bags have been abandoned, and he's nowhere to be found as the competition is getting ready to start. So, uh, seems that uh, Saiba had a good old burnout.
1: Yes. Uh... Which feels like it's very much in line with kind of what we know about him. Like the fact that despite being so amazing, he works humbly as like a chef in a restaurant, like a family restaurant that it kind of took a little coercing to take a big, you know, prestigious job. Why people kind of look at him in this weird way. I'm sure there's more to the story than just what we're getting here. But um, this is the first time throughout this flashback that I've kind of been like, okay, I'm kind of interested to see where this goes. It's still not entirely like 100% really like impressive to me just because of the sense that I still don't really know where Joichiro's place in the story really is. If it's that significant, that this is the right time for a flashback for this and how relevant it's going to be going forward. Cause I mean, is that something they're suggesting Soma might run into or something like that? But um I, it is still at least interesting to be like, all right, so we got an idea of what Soma's dad did, what happened to him, why he's in the place he is and possibly why certain characters, you know, particularly Azami feel about him
0: the way they do. It's possible that, uh, he fears that, um, the approach that Azami takes to, you know, dedicate your whole life to cooking and stuff could cause that sense in, uh, some people, um, instead of like cultivating a love for cooking, it just becomes something that they feel that they have to do until they can't go on any further. Uh Um, which Azami is probably fine with because, you know, that's just breaking people down, and the ones that crumble are discarded, and then you keep the ones that you know, are turned into diamonds.
1: What's well, also that notion too that both you know Soma and Joey have, where they like making weird stuff, and he stopped doing that. He's kind of been told not to. It's 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 weakening weakening his ability to be an actually effective chef. So I have to feel like because he's focused so much on just doing the like best possible results. And he's not thinking creatively so much anymore. He's not doing what kind of interests him because of all that it's, it's killing him slowly. You know, if you, you make your job too robotic and you take away the creativity and fun that was in it before, it's understandable that eventually you might just get burned out by it, especially Mm -hmm. if you're that talented too. You're that amazing. Nothing challenges you and you can't even think, well, I'll do something weird instead, you know? Yeah. Fine chapter though.
0: Yeah, definitely got the, I think the most interesting part of the flashback so far. As we went to The Promised Neverland, which also begins with a flashback to an adult character's, uh, youth. As we see Crone, uh, when she was introduced to the world of monsters and was given the chance to try to become a mom. And, uh, She was, she says, my teacher, known as grandma, told me, compete. That is how we survive. Uh, and then we get a, our cover page, the chapter title, 21, blatant trap. And, uh, there is, uh, there's mom and crone sitting together, having tea, sitting on a mountain of corpses. (laughs) As you do. It's a great little, it's a great visual. I, the freaking! I say that almost every time we get a, a cover page for this series. But they're always, so always really interesting shots. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we cut to the present where Crone is talking with Norman and Emma, uh, offering them information. And uh we had a little flashback from their perspective of you know Gilda warring That was like, oh, you know, what are you gonna do? You? she's luring you into into her spider's web. She's going to snare you. Um. But Norman and Emma reassure her, we know what she's up to, but you know, we just have to not give her any evidence and we're not going to trust her because then those are the only two things that she can actually get that could hurt us. And, uh, while we're doing that, we'll get as much information as we can. Um, we see that Ray does know what's going on with them, even though he's not attending the meeting together with them. Uh, but he warns them, you know, the information she gives you might not be the truth. She's probably going to mix in some lies here and there. But they've, you know, they've got a chance to uh, gain stuff from her, so they're going to take it. So, Norman uh, and Emma basically have their questions planned out from the beginning. They know exactly what they're going to ask her. So that there aren't any surprises and so that they can... They also gauge whether she's telling the truth when she talks to them or not. So, uh, Norman begins by asking how do adults feel when they kill children or not even not. He doesn't actually ask that he asks what you will answer anything. Even if we ask you that, and she's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and that they don't ask that, which is kind of weird. Uh, but Emma says, okay, why don't you show me the device that shows where we are with the tracking devices? And uh, Cronin's like, yeah, sure, here. Gives us a pocket watch. Yeah, check it out. Hmm. Uh So Crone then inquires, oh, you knew that there were tracking devices. And Nora says, yeah, well, Mom actually blatantly showed it to us one time. So, yes, we didn't know about that. And Chris says, ah, but you don't know where they are or how to break them, and that's why you can't escape. And I says, oh, so you know where they are. And she's like, yeah, it's in your, it's in your left ear, you know, right around here. Um, so I don't know how to break them, but when one is broken, it will display, it'll, it'll notify the display, which is the black watch, and it'll also alert headquarters. So you would have to take it out or cut it off in order to actually disable it. And Norman says, oh yeah, and there aren't any, you know, good blades in the house. There's no knives. There's not even a kitchen knife. Uh, and once we're outside where there's no medicine, yeah, <laughs> if you actually cut it out, then, um, yeah, you could have blood loss. You get an infection. Um, but Crone observes, well, there is actually a scalpel in the facility. Uh, just in case, you know, there's an injury within the plant, there are, you know, antibiotics and tools and anesthesia. Eh, you know, there should probably be enough that you could actually take, you know, out the devices for five kids. And hey, I'll even lend you the keys so that you can go get them. And I'll teach you how to do the procedure.
1: And I'll give you five dollars because you're such great kids.
0: Here, right, mm, sounded, you cute little buggers. What else really, do you need? Sounding way too good here. It's like when your grandparents visit, it's like, here, have all this stuff that you didn't ask for.
1: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, grandma. Can you, uh, not go on the radio then and talk about how, what a dank meme fucking Lionel Richie is? <laughs> I'll do what I want.
0: Uh, uh, Emma then asks how old Crone is and has she been a product since she was born and Crone, First of all says, "How rude to ask a lady her age <laughs> She was in that that time in order to be all, ooh, ooh, ooh. but she says that she's twenty six, which uh I will admit that my estimations probably picked her at being much older than that. um she seems like she's drawn to be older than mom, honestly uh possibly. But she says that she was born and raised in Gracefield House and that Isabella, the mom, is 31. Uh, and she was also born on the farm and raised there, according to what she's seen in the records, which surprises Emma and uh, Norman, because she was born before the date that the the book was published. So, uh, and also, yeah, okay, both of the two of them aren't for, from the outside despite them having books they were published afterwards. Hmm. No one asks if Crone has ever seen the outside, and they're surprised when she says this, because she's like, oh, what, did you think that I would say yes, even if I was lying? No, I haven't. But there are humans who are on the outside. Your food is made by the higher-ups and us adults, but there are humans who bring your clothes and other supplies from the outside. Uh, you know, furniture, test materials, toys, books. Uh And I've seen a human at headquarters once. The human was in equal standing with them. There are humans who won't get eaten outside. You need to get mixed in with them.
1: It's interesting, too, because also from the image there, I mean, it could be either, but it definitely seems like it looks like a male figure. So that would be the first instance we've seen of any kind of adult you know, male that yeah, yeah existing. in, or I mean, we could kind of guess that uh, what's his name, Minerva is still alive. William Minerva, I mean, yeah, is at least potentially out there. But the in, the insinuation that oh, human males not only are alive but actually can like exist within standings with the others, it's interesting. That's that's a interesting proposition, because it almost sounded like, no, they're just worthless. We maybe use them for breeding and fuck off, but perhaps
0: if uh, books are being brought into the testing facilities and there are messages like this from William Minerva, it's a possibility that he is actually working uh, as like a publisher that uh, provides these supplies for these farms, and he's just trying to covertly warn the children and help them in the only way that he could even can at all. Uh, of course, Norman does, you know, and Emma do are, 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 of course, taking all of this information with a grain of salt, just in case, you know, it's like, okay, this could just, this could very well be a lie. And then she's just providing us with a false hope or, you know, trying to throw us down the wrong path. So we do have to consider that, um, they then go on to ask, oh, so you don't even know how long the demons have been around or how the world came to be this way. And is actually surprised briefly because she doesn't, because she's like, what, demons? Oh, you mean them, which is interesting. Um, but, I mean, it makes sense. They've only caught, you know, a glimpse of the monsters. You know, the the name demon is just something that they call them. Yeah. And they don't even look like traditional demons in uh very much the sense they're these big monstrous lots of eyed creatures, so... I think that it is unnecessarily vague for her to say them, but.
1: <laughs> well, that's because the actual term for them they can't fucking say apparently.
0: That's true. Yeah. Anyway, um, they ask, okay, where's the farm located? Okay. I don't know. Um, I don't know how the world came to be like this. I don't know how where they where the monsters came from. Uh, I don't know about the security around the farm. Uh, uh, she actually does. Actually, uh, she says, yeah. Um. They rely on the tracking devices for security. They don't have many guards posted. I'm sure they don't even patrol. Um, but Emma and Norman are suspicious of this because they're like, nah, there's no way that escaping would be this easy. You know, just getting rid of the tracking devices and then sneaking out through the gate or over the wall. There's no way that that's the end of it. Um, so they thank her for the information and uh, Grun's like, oh, okay. But uh, she's thinking to herself as they start to make their way off, They're smart kids. They don't reveal anything by leaping information that they know that they don't know is true. They understand. As long as they don't give me evidence, I have no choice but to let them run away. But and suddenly she just breaks out into hysterical laughter, like clutching her freaking gut while throwing her head back, laughter. Um, And she just yells out, "Ah, you already knew the tracking device's location. How to get around it? Impressive!" And they're like, "What?" What are you talking about? Uh, and she says, See, it's not just words that provide information. You both took care which words to use to be sure that I wouldn't figure out what you really wanted to know. You took great care in your questions and how to ask them, which I commend you for. But you let your guard down, knowing you had an advantage. Humans are made to give a lot of information, you, even if they are just standing there. Attitude. Your gaze. Blinking. Sweating. Gestures. Your pupils. Pulse. All of these are hints of what you're really thinking. But both of you, even though I said it was in your ear, you didn't touch your ears to check. You found out how to get them out, but you didn't look happy at all. And Emma's like, oh shit, yeah, we did, we did both do that when we first found out about it. And uh, just by how they reacted to her information, they managed to tip her off to something that they know. She, they didn't provide her with any evidence, but yeah, um, it's... Playing up on the fact that Cronus, is is someone who's played this game her whole life. She's been at this for more than twice as long as these kids have. And uh, so they're pretty smart kids, but they lack experience not only when it comes to mom, but when it comes to her by far.
1: It's it's actually really kind of cool that we got this because I was under the impression, and I kind of noted a couple times, I was like, I feel like Crone's just kind of like a goober antagonist to get in and out of the way at some point. Like, she wasn't going to be that smart. She'd have a moment, but ultimately she'd be boiled and kind of like... It would just be a stepping stone to the thing with Mom. Because they kind of almost treated her like a joke for a while. Like, you only ever saw her yeah, like, you know, like her face showing up at the end to be like... Or whatever. And you're like, oh, okay. But this goes to show, like, she's got a real, you know, talent for this. She was able to kind of put them in a shitty situation even though they thought they came out of it completely ahead. So it goes to show that she's not as easily uh, conquered as people kind of leading themselves to believe, myself included.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So before they head off, after all of this, um, she says, do you know about I'm just going to do that. 'Cause it's it's not oh, even I
1: was like Nick, is there a cat attacking you?
0: Um It's not even like symbols really when she pronounces whatever the hell that is. This weird distortion in the bubble. Uh and they're like, what? And uh she says, Well, I'm sure you don't. Don't you want to? And she's like, What did you just say? Ah, I'll tell about it the next time you
1: Had a small hiccup there with Nick.
0: The put off by the way the, the the end of the conversation went down. There we
1: go. Sorry, you froze there for a quick second on my end. Oh, okay. Oh, good.
0: Um, Norman says, "Yeah, I mean, we underestimated her, but she still doesn't have any evidence yet." but Norman is still upset because I wasn't supposed to get any information from our side. That person's the same as mom. She's an adult who survived this system at the farm. We need to hurry. We have to get out of here as soon as possible. We can't linger, and we have to make sure we thoroughly inspect the vicinity tomorrow. And we get, uh, the date is, the the time passes midnight. We cut to mom and her office. It's now six days until the planned escape. And, um, Mom puts away a book she's reading and just says to herself, I think it's about time. So it looks like she's on the move in some way.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm curious to see what her on the move actually is because there's a multitude of things she could be doing. There's a lot of things she could be doing. (laughs) It seems like she has an awareness of at least a lot of things kind of going on here. We already know a few things that she has into works, like the idea of shipping Ray out early and things like that. So who knows exactly what ultimately this is, but... It's interesting, at the very least, to be like, "Oh shit, mom's stepping in and getting involved in more ways." Because she's been kind of a passive character for a while now. She had the bit there with like the rope and and, and revealing that you know she she's been working with Ray, but ultimately speaking, she hasn't done much to directly confront the group themselves since the whole thing with Crone coming in.
0: It feels you know? like a lot of the reason why they've been able to make progress at all is because she hasn't. Deliberately stepped in to interfere with what they've been up to up to this point. Exactly. Yeah, cool (laughs) chapter. Yeah, it's good stuff from Crone and uh, yeah, it's what we both love about The Promise Neverland—that's perpetually raising the stakes kind of feeling without actually without actually raising the stakes too much, but it always feels like it is. All right, let's move on to Black Clover.
1: <laughs> I feel like that enthusiasm isn't here. Nick, remember, karate poop, karate move.
0: Page 92 won't let you die. Well, I has been defeated.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh you know, for the big deal they made about, like, the eight real Diamond Generals, I feel like this is not been particularly notable. But, hey, there's, I guess, six more who are going to be relevant. I don't know. <sighs> I don't know.
0: So, Fanzel and, uh, Mars land near Asta. And Asta's like, hey, what's that, what's that guy doing here? He's an enemy. And Mars says, Asta, I am not your enemy. You can trust me. And Asta's like, who would believe a guy with a evil looking mug like that? Okay, Mr. Judgy.
1: Jeez. I know. I came out of nowhere.
0: Yeah. Your face ain't all that good to look at either, Asta. It's a stupid headband. So, Mars replies with, honestly, rather justifiably, my name is Mars, short stuff. He's like, well, if someone just said you have an evil looking mug, like, yeah, insult his appearance, do it, yes. And and is like, you're rude for no reason, you said he looked evil, fuck
1: you, stupid little douchebag. Got him a pasty-faced guy, too, so yeah. it's like it's the first insult being thrown here.
0: Pasty-faced and evil-looking, you're lucky you only got away with short stuff. (laughs) Alright, so Fauna is still, Fauna's still up.
1: I'm going to roast battle you, short stuff. Oh, and he's like, he's the only person doing it for himself, but he keeps, like, running around like he's different people. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> fucking, like, puts on a wig, so, shaves his head real quick, so he's Jeff Ross. That was amazing. The best, the bravest joke I've ever seen in roast battle. You called him short stuff. Great stuff. I'd have to give it to you. It was the only joke, but you still nailed it. You win. Roast puts battle. on black, puts on blackface real quick so he can be dead <laughs> out. Yo, that was amazing! That was hilarious. <laughs> it's like, stop it, Mars! You don't need to do this.
0: Roast battle?
1: You ever heard of this roast battle. No, it's like, uh, like, uh, like how rap battles used to be, but with comedians.
0: They just roast Jeez. each other. It's
1: really good shit. Check it out.
0: All right, uh, Fanzalnasta and Mars turn their attention to fauna. And Mars is like, wait a minute, those flames—they're like mine. Fauna flashback. It's a very flashbacky week this week. Um, of course he recalls, oh, being put through a horrible training when they were, you know, in, in the Diamond Kingdom. Uh Fauna giving him encouragement, uh, and then her sacrificing her life to save him so that he could go and see the outside world instead in the in the final drill. Um. Being brainwashed, surgically modified, gave me a grimoire that your power transplanted into it. Yes, yes, okay. Right, this is all covering information that we actually got in the series. So it's like, okay, this is fine. All right, cool. Just don't, just don't give me like, let me give you my whole backstory that was contained in this light novel ever. Don't do that anymore. Um, And even so, (sighs) okay, so. He says, I reclaimed my memories while I was fighting with Asta. Okay, good to know. Uh, since then, in order to make amends to Fauna while out on cruel missions, I've been stealthily saving lives.
1: All right, fair okay. enough. Okay.
0: All right. And Morris currently controls the Diamond Kingdom from the shadows. It isn't the country Fauna loved. No, this is more important now. I don't know why, but it's alive. And he's like, Fauna just starts running towards her. And Asta grabs onto him and he's like, you're gonna die. Like, okay.
1: Is that the kind of character you are? And it's oh, like, look at me. why look at is me. Asta I'm the one wall. saying this? Why is Asta the one being like, whoa, you're being way too brazen and headstrong? <laughs> like, is the pot calling the fucking kettle black.
0: And ugly. Don't forget that.
1: Yeah, pasty-faced and evil. And
0: and evil, yeah. Uh, Fauna gets distressed as Mars does this. It seems that she looks confused mostly. Uh, and then says, wait, I don't know, Ewan just launches a fireball at them. Uh, and Vance is like, wait, you mean it's that Fauna? The one that I trained? Oh, I'd heard she died in one of his human experiments after I defected. But she does kind of look like her. If you remember from the
1: the light novel that is all the case with this, it's like, God damn it! Go away!
0: So, he's like, wait, that eye on her forehead is emitting a strange power. Is that group, the Eye of the Midnight Sun, controlling Fauna with that eye? That's a bit of a logical leap to make, I think. Okay. Whatever. Um,
1: It seems like a kind of, like,
0: big thing to reveal, too. Yeah. Like,
1: I've been under the assumption that everyone within the Midnight Sun, particularly since that's the kind of impression we got from, um... Beto. Beto. Was that they were all doing this willingly out of, like, a legit, genuine affection for Leashed. Uh, Misguided as it might be, that they all had their own reasons for doing it, but this seems to suggest some of them might be being controlled.
0: Yeah. Having Having those thoughts implanted into their mind...
1: I mean, it might not be true, and it may only be for fauna. But it, I do feel like it slightly hurts that group's mm-hmm. like intrigue if it's like, oh no, they're not actually all devoted to this person. They're some of them are just like good people being
0: manipulated. They're evil because they brainwashed this girl.
1: Plus, yeah. this was kind of like an almost like a like very uh not throwaway, but a very insignificant moment to kind of
0: reveal that on. Mm-hmm. Again, not mm-hmm. 100. Yeah, what's going on? Yeah, not 100 percent
1: confirmed that that's actually what this is, but.
0: Uh, Fauna starts to freak out. She says, Oh, my head hurts. Oh, I hate you all. Everyone should disappear. Uh, everyone starts freaking out because, you know, she's emitting so much, uh, power that she's going to just raise the entire area that they're in right now. Uh, Mars is not even bothering to avoid being attacked despite all the fireballs being launched outwards. And Ben's like, Come on, you have to block it. And, uh, Mars says, No, I have no right to block it. I killed Fauna. I don't deserve... And Asa just leans over and is like, I'm going to interrupt this with a comedic facial expression! Like, it's suddenly Sukomi Jackass. Like, he's like, Don't be saying that! Like, fuck you, Asa. You don't know shit. And he's like, he starts giving him the wrong advice. Like, to begin with. he's like, Do you even know that's really your friend? She's in a terror group called The Eye of the Midnight Sun, so could she just be a lookalike? Come on! And... Mars says, I could never mistake somebody else for Fauna. She is my precious childhood friend. And Asu's like, hang on. Let me sift through my five friendship speeches to find the right one. Okay. <sighs> this isn't time for you to be dying then. You should save that girl for real. And Mars is like, you're right. I'm sorry. And Pendle says, ah, even you have Asta yelling at you the way he yelled at me. Is he a character in the series? Then he has Asta yelling at him. Like, okay. I've reached a point now where... If Asta were to stop doing this, I mean, I would be happy. But I have to admit at this point that it is just full-on part of his character that he does this. That he just gets in people's faces and tells them the hard truths, man! The things that you're denying yourself because you don't want to handle them. You got all that stupid self-doubt, dude. No, he's
1: like a way too aggressive Tony Robinson. <laughs> you need to take control of your life, man. I don't want to get right into it. You need to take control of your life, man. Get out of your bubble. Start going. You see, these you
0: need to start respecting yourself. And <laughs> Just if he stopped doing that, it would no longer be true to the character. I'm not going to stop being annoyed by it, but I have to just accept it's like, okay, that is just what he is. And I just kind of have to deal with that. And I think that's probably just always going to be my problem with him as a character is the thing that defines him. <laughs> so it's a little unfortunate.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's his trait, though. It is honestly what you kind of have to get about. He's just going to be somebody who aggressively kind of tries to lift everybody up. And it, it, you know, it kind of stinks that it's like, I wish somebody else within this world could have that role. But for the most part, everybody kind of needs to be inspired at least once by Asta, and then after that can kind of comment on the fact that they were inspired by him. So.
0: Vanessa says Neither Finral's spatial magic nor my thread magic work against those flames and Noel if we agitate it with your magic it might explode immediately Noel goes I knew it Astas magic anti-magic sword is the only thing that can stop it
1: just fucking got up and left, for those of you who are listening to the audio-only version of this. You just fucking booked it. Okay, I'm back. Alright, are you better?
0: What is everyone else there for?
1: Uh, like, uh, You have to assume that ultimately, Mars is there to actually be the emotional weight that kind of awakes Fauna up. Because all Asta can ultimately do, I guess, is... Poker in the through. forehead with the sword, I guess. Yeah. Mm. And everyone else, I mean, not for nothing, but it was kind of established last time. I feel like everyone else is kind of just there to be the catalyst that gets Asta there. Like, I mean, we see the same players here. I would not be shocked if the same situation happens where Asta, Vanessa uses her magic strings to pull Asta through a portal Finral created so he can get up there. And, you know, it's after Noelle's knocked away with the water. So who knows? Uh, I mean... If it flows the same way, then it's almost kind of like, all right, this is just like, it's like throwing a Pokeball. Like, this is just the process you have to go through to beat these guys, I guess. But, uh, I don't know. We shall see. Uh, I kind of made my point on this arc before, and I feel like any time I talk about it, I'm just going to be repeating it. I just don't feel like there's anything particularly unique to this arc thus far, and this conclusion just hasn't gotten much in way of kind of, like, changing my opinion on it. Um... I just kind of admit now, it's like, this This is an arc that just doesn't do anything for me. It's... Nick, let's talk about something we're all going to enjoy, okay. right? Let's talk about Ruby. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about Ruby, Nick! A couple of weeks after we did a bonus podcast, talking about all of our many uh, thoughts on, uh, Issue or volume one, I believe it is. by the way guys, in case anyone out there is not aware, that is what our bonus pod was for the month of December and you can still get it mm-hmm. if you want. Uh me, Nick and I both watched Volume One, well the first half of Volume One of Ruby and gave our thoughts on it. And uh that kinda goes a long way to talking about Ruby, although I need to like take a moment here and mention something. So I've had people tell me the Ruby manga's ending. It's like announced that like it's its run in Japan's coming to an end. But someone told me it's ending with chapter 14. And we're on chapter 9 right now. And I'm hoping that was just a mistake on their part. Because I'm like, what the fuck was the point of this series? If it's going to end in five fucking chapters and we are just now getting to the end of the fucking teaser trailer, like, interpretations. What's the story of this fucking manga in five chapters?
0: According to the teaser that happened at the end of uh, this uh, edition of Jump, uh, they are going to actually move beyond that, and there's going to be some sort of team task going on in the next chapter. But even so, if it is ending in Chapter 14, that's only five, you know, two-thirds of a regular length Jump uh, series chapters to get through whatever you want to tell. Like, what are you going to accomplish in all of that?
1: Now, the thing to kind of, like, clarify, I don't know if that's 100%. The, it's what one person mentioned to me, yeah, yeah, yeah. so I don't know if that's for certain the case, if other people can f- confirm that. But I'm going to tell you right now, if this is 14 fucking chapters, I'm going to be the sourest, most bitchy person on the planet reviewing the last five fucking chapters. What was the point of this? Why did you even translate this? What was... This sucks! You didn't do anything!
0: Uh I'm looking at the Wikipedia article, and I then followed that to the Ruby Japan uh, Twitter account as a source, which says uh, Manga by Shiro Miwa begins at Ultra Jump. Original story which reveals the mystery hidden in four trailers.
1: If it says 14 chapters of this fucking thing, I'm gonna flip my shit. <laughs> so, <laughs> chapter 9 of course, is still continuing the Yang trailer, because you had to get all of this. She's still fighting against the two girls whose names I'm not going to bother remembering because now that I've seen the first half of the series, (laughs) they don't fucking show up again. That's irrelevant. And it's basically just a fight chapter, you know, there's some, you know, I guess you get some pretty decent looking action between them. It's probably the best, I guess, the actions looked in this series thus far. Um, Maybe just because Yang's fighting style lends itself to be more easily, like, digestible because it's punches as opposed to, like, weird scythe movements or whatever the fuck. You know, Weiss does um, But she beats up Junior Pommels him and he's like You win, I guess that's why they call you The little dragon, huh? And she's like, yeah, fits me perfectly Right? I'm like, I guess I guess because you turn on to fire At some point, I don't know uh, Afterwards, Junior says I can't help you Which is <laughs> like, why did you guys have to the fight then? <laughs> like She even notes, he's like, you strung me along Why? He's like, I don't know <laughs> felt like it <laughs> I, i'm a dickhead Oh, do <laughs> any reason for everything i do uh and then ruby shows up and her and yang kind of hang out and she's like oh well how about we get a free drink from you we'll take two strawberry sunrises and no ice and alcohol it's like we'll take the two most boring drinks we can find on the movie <laughs> we'll take the two blamest fucking things we can get i guess
0: is this symbolic?
1: Ice is too risky for me. <laughs> um, and I do kind of like, though, that they're like, oh, this is so generous of you. He's like, they're not free. <laughs> they're not free! I brought it up like, hey, you wrecked my fucking place. You can at least pay for a drink. They're like, oh, thanks. It's so sweet of you. No, they're not free! <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how else to clarify this. Uh, but that's actually the end of the chapter. Ruby says, what were you doing here? And Yang says, just waiting for somebody and... They drive away, and we see the silhouette of the man in the black suit and the hat, who I think showed up at the end of, like, the first or second chapter of this. And that's the chapter. That's, that's all of Ruby. <laughs> <laughs> if this goes longer than 14 chapters, hey, all those are done. Let's get into the series proper. If this is only 14 chapters long, why the fuck did we waste our time with all this? This was like a four-chapter-long little look into the trailer. <laughs> <sighs> Sorry, I I don't want to. I, I want to note this for anybody who's who's listening to this, who's a big Ruby fan, who might be getting angry because it sounds like we're getting really shitty and anger This, well, I know if you listen to that. No, no,
0: no. You should listen to the bonus <laughs> pod if you want that. <laughs>
1: well, no, no. I, I want to actually clarify. In that bonus pod, we we are a lot more like level headed and calm and rationally kind of discussing things. I've had actually like quite a few like. Fans of Ruby mentioned that, and that's generally what the comments are on our Patreon. Like, well, it's, hey, it's guys, hard. Be it's hard to go.
0: I mean, we had a very long discussion, honestly, about Ruby uh, in that bonus episode. I mean, yeah. it's like like an hour and a half long. Yeah. So had a lot of time to talk about you, you know, a lot of different details in that, but also had more th- things to discuss than well, that scene that was like four minutes long in the trailer was stretched out to four chapters.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, like the big thing though is it's like. Hey, after seeing the, the the first half of the volume, I hate the manga more because I'm like, this is a shitty adaptation. that covers a lot of unnecessary. Why are you doing this?
0: I mean, I don't know. Is I do have to think like what the actual point of it is, other than just to just sell a few manga volumes to fans of the series. I actually, I think it might only if it's if it is only going to be fourteen chapters and it's chapters of this length, that might only be enough to fill one volume, for that matter.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. But I, mean, I mean, maybe that's the thing. Like, hey, we made a manga version of Ruby; it could be all fit in one chapter, or one volume, or, yeah, volume, or whatever. It just seems really unnecessary to me, especially now having watched, like, essentially everything that covers this stuff, where you're just like, I don't quite understand what the point of this was, if this only covered... a badly adapted portion of the Ruby canon or universe that can all be watched and, like, digested in ten minutes between the the different, like, uh, teaser trailers. All right, One Piece. Let's move on. All
0: right. (laughs) One Piece. So, um, last time Sanji found out that putting the one line in his was actually, like, the most... I am a villain <laughs> character in this arc. Um, and he was sad. And we uh, pick up on that point in chapter 851, Dog End. Which is such an odd title. <laughs> um, Pudding continues with her vow that all the members of the Vinsmo family are going to be killed at the wedding tomorrow. The wedding will be dyed red with blood. And, hmm. Where have I heard that before. Hmm. I don't know. Something about a game with like chairs or something. I don't know. So she also makes the odd comment of if the wedding cake gets splattered with blood, mom is going to be so furious she'll destroy the entire building, which is actually kind of funny because it's like, oh, that's your greatest concern. (laughs) The wedding cake's going to get covered in blood, not a whole lot of people are going to die. I guess. This this series is Pudding goes a little bit nuts in this chapter honestly. She makes a lot of really weird faces when she's like especially when she's talking about I wonder what kind of face Sanji's going to make whenever this happens to him.
1: It's, yeah, it's rather uh exaggerated,
0: yeah. She makes like the uh the freaked out Usopp face from the uh, Dressrosa arc. Um she gives an explanation of uh, the pistols. The pistol she's got in her hand is called a, a walker, which fires candy jackets. powerful enough to pierce even a shield-bearing soldier, which works well enough against the Vinsmokes' metal bodies. And that is apparently how uh, Reju was injured before. So that's what she plans to use for them to kill the Vinsmokes. Uh and uh then she goes on about uh like, oh yeah, I wonder what Sanji's reaction's going to be whenever he finds out that I've been lying to him this whole time. Um and she's laughing in Raiju's face and uh then she says, Oh, and you know what he, how he proposed to me? It was perfect once that facial pack came off. He looked so embarrassing. A few tears and he was like putty in my hands. Men are so stupid. And then he pulled me close and managed to squeak out the words You are my salvation. Let's get married. God. You're like, she's oh. such a bitch. <laughs> the faces she fucking makes when she's mocking him are so cartoonishly sadistic.
1: I love the way it shows Sanji reacting to this, though, because he's he's always been known as kind of like a common collected member of the straw. It's probably the most collected member of all of them or one of them, at least, where it's like when shit gets real, he's usually not the one to have an exaggerated expression. He's the cool, suave one. So he's listening to this and you can't see his eyes for most of it. You can't see most of his face, really. It's usually kind of covered. But you see him like trying to light a uh, cigarette and he just can't get anything to light because of the fact it's raining. And then you finally see a shot from below and you can see like he is starting to like cry up a little bit. And I do like it because I'm like, that is like kind of intrinsically what I would imagine Sanji would be like reacting to this. He's, he's not going to be like, I can't believe she did this or anything like that, but he has been shown to be emotional enough to cry before. He was one of the few, like he cried when the going Mary got destroyed, you know, he mm-hmm. had, like a single solitary. So it shows quite a lot to show that he, he is affected by this emotionally. But at the same time, I do like that he's, He's not like blue screen of death like broken trying to figure out what to do. Like he's trying to light a cigar, except all or a cigarette trying to accept all this, and then the next time we see that area, it's just like the leftover flowers, as he's presumably going to act.
0: It's um Yeah, I, I, I do really like the way that it's it's set like that. It's not like he's, you know, you're, I like the way that it's been kind of built up, you know, first seeing the darkened eyes and then yeah, avoiding seeing his eyes until that very last shot, uh, before cutting away after he's been listening in the whole time.
1: A lot said without using any dialogue on Sanchi's part. And that's what's really Mm -hmm. kind of impressive.
0: And then we cut to, uh, Charlotte and count, uh, confronting Brooke. Who, of course, has already been beaten up a bit by the time that we join the action. Uh, apparently, seemingly from what they're saying to each other, it seems as though uh, Big Mom has been controlling the battle this to this point very easily. And, uh, uh, Brooke says, so why are you so interested in copying that stone? Uh, and uh, Brooke says, The thing about Sanji is he's very kind-hearted, so I knew that he would not return to us. No matter what trap it is you set up for him. His kindness knows no bounds. Once he's made up his mind to sacrifice himself for someone, he will not change his ways. And our captain, meanwhile, is a man who always trusts in his own beliefs when he acts, so whatever happens will be decided by them. So... Basically just putting it out there that, you know, this is why I've taken this, you know, individual, this independent action is because this is what I can do while they're off deciding shit by themselves, basically. Hmm. I really love the uh big picture that we get of Big Mom just towering over him while, uh you know, we see... Brooke much smaller in the foreground from with the uh, back to the to the viewer. Oh, it's an awesome
1: visual because you not only get that, but you also get the looming like fire and lightning clouds kind of mm-hmm. showing over it. So like we've kind of seen now that Big Mom has some kind of weather manipulation for it as well, it seems, or some kind of power at least related to that. And seeing those and her gigantic stature looming over Brooke and him as like thin and wafy as he kinda is and like the tattered mm-hmm like trench coat. It's a really cool looking visual. He really it's a pretty awesome I like con, like visual to get of him standing up kind of confidently against a threat that looming and
0: large. It's actually kind of awkward in its own way too though, because uh you know the flame cloud that she's got in her hand, it's making a big leering face. Big Mom is making a big leering face. And then you pan over and then there's the Thundercloud with <laughs> so
1: like
0: you and then there's, of course, the face on her hat, which, you know, does its own facial expression. It, it just kind of looks confused by everything that's going on. It's like, um, yeah, okay. Hmm. Uh, so Big Mom kind of mocks Brooke because, like, oh, okay, so then you've got nothing better going on than to copy a stone. Which is a fair point to make. There are much more important things going on in the in the moment. You know, Sanji getting betrayed... Luffy and Nami are captured and Chopper and Carrot are caught within the mirror world. And Brooke is off to doing this whole thing while Pedro is almost literally killing himself, uh, trying to fend off, uh, Baron DiMago. Uh, but Brooke says, well, no, I uh, see, I'm doing this in case we face the worst case scenario with Sanji deciding not to return with us. That way he won't, kick himself for bring us here because we will have gained something tremendous for our trouble. We will have taken your road pondoglyph. And Big Mom's like, that's not the worst case scenario. I mean, come on, whatever you all your friends might die. And Brooks says, young lady, which I love. Because he's yeah, hundred over a hundred years old. Shit to an older. <laughs> he could say that to pretty much anyone. What kind of idiot draws up plans with the expectation of dying? And, uh, we cut to Inside the Mirror World after that point. Um, Carrot and Chopper have, uh, woken up, uh, Brulee by tickling her and are using that to also torture her for information. Okay.
1: Hey, you know what? I appreciate it, it could have been, like, made really creepy and sexual and it didn't because One, <laughs> One Piece has a slightly higher standard than other series that we mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so they're asking her like, "Okay, which mirror goes to the cast? And she's like, "I don't freaking know."
1: She's like, "Ask the goddamn mirrors!"
0: You're like, "They're like, wait, right. what?" <laughs> yeah, uh, and I, here's the ni- thats a, this is a nice detail I think thrown in by the adaptation because they make the question rhyme. <laughs> oh gosh, mirror, mirror. So they actually all provide details like, I'm a mirror inside of Lady Juliet's closet. And I'm a hand mirror in the second floor guest room. I'm a fourth floor moon's bathroom mirror. Of course there's one of those. Frickin' of course. Um, And uh, Chopper says like, oh, okay, which of you reflect, you know, uh, Luffy or Nami or Brook or Pedro or Sanji? And they're like, who the fuck are you talking about? Uh Because, of course, you know, they don't know these people if they haven't met them. Although, like, the one in the mirror says, oh, I just saw Sanji pass by me. But they're like, "Oh, what do they look like?" And Carrot says, "Don't worry, I'm great at drawing faces, Joe Bro." Okay. Also, um, she, I think she's holding. I think she's holding a quill in that last panel.
1: Um, possibly. It's tough to. Yeah, I'd assume so. What else would she be holding?
0: What is the best way that this informed um, detail about her could go? Would it be that she, like, draws these amazing portraits, that she draws stick figures and the mirrors still recognize them? Um,
1: It'd be great if, like, it's incredibly detailed, but for some reason they all have, like, fucking bunny ears and shit, or, like, just <laughs> animal features, like, it seems everybody's a mink of some kind.
0: Well, that'd be kind of like what Rukia did. Yeah. Everything that she drew looked like a cartoonish rabbit.
1: Yeah. I'm just thinking of the idea, like, everybody. Like, that's really interesting. I don't have whiskers, though. I don't know why you added those. <laughs>
0: Also, my teeth aren't nearly that pr- 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 protruding.
1: <laughs> I don't have tiger stripes so much.
0: Uh, We cut again to a Pudding and Reiju as Pudding explains how her devil fruit works. She has the Memo Memo fruit and she reaches into Reiju's head. It's actually really gruesome at first because it's like her head becomes liquid as she reaches inside of her skull and pulls out this film strip and she says, every person has a film of memories inside their head. Doesn't everyone have frightening experiences, painful memories, parts of their past they'd like to forget? I'll just take this memory from a soldier who got hit by a stray bullet and edit. And there, all done. <laughs> so now your memories have been cut. So we can have a fun wedding tomorrow. So there's our explanation for why she was being so blatantly evil. It's because she knew the Reju wouldn't, uh... Remember. I want to remember it. So there you go. It's a cool memory. It's a cool ability for her to have, I think, especially with her kind of infiltration uh type of thing with her acting ability.
1: It does so, also kind of explain a couple other things that she noted, like why um, Lola, I think, maybe had that good of an opinion of her. It could have been that she yeah. erased the bad memories of her and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, it's Hey, definitely- maybe
0: she's used that ability on herself. Yeah, like, she's not evil after all! <laughs> no, I'm not saying yeah. that, but you know it would be oh, interesting. She took
1: it, oh, she took away any bad memories she may have had with her siblings or something like that? Mm-hmm.
0: that or maybe she got jealous of Lola and, yeah, edited uh, uh, Charlotte's memories of her so that she had bad memories of her and resented her for leaving.
1: It's interesting because it's hard for me to look at this without being like, I feel like this, I'm reading JoJo's Bizarre Adventure right now. Because there are <laughs> so many stands that this feels like right now.
0: So many that uh, yeah, have memory alteration of some sort.
1: I think there's at least three different stands I can think of right now. I'm like, this seems really similar to this one, and this one, and this
0: one. There's a bunch of people in the chat were doing it too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh Of course, San- they don't know that Sanji knows about it, so he is uh, safe from this and he remembers it. And uh, we see, though, that uh he has abandoned the flowers by the end of the conversation after having heard all the important information and uh, has gone off on his own way. We then cut to the library, the prison library, where Luffy is still struggling. He's making good progress on tearing his arms off in order to free himself. Spinning
1: yeah. around over and over.
0: Yeah. Uh and Nami's still freaking out over the minor detail of, you're getting blood on me.
1: Ew, gross. (laughs) God. Uh,
0: the prison guard is like, this guy's kind of crazy. Um, so all of a sudden the guard though says, uh, to Nami, mama ordered me to make sure you cough up where Lola's at now. So spill the beans. And Nami's like, I'm not going to do that. Okay then, torture. <laughs> and his method of torture is rather blunt. He's
1: like, no, no sexy torture, no, no bringing in llamas to lick their feet. He's like, I'm gonna shoot you with the crossbow till you talk. He's like, that'll kill me. He's like, you better talk then. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you better fucking tell me then. Like, Good point. <laughs> <laughs>
0: what's water torture is that where you just drown the person immediately if they don't talk
1: it's like my preferred method of torture is to shoot you in the legs until you either die or tell me like oh
0: all he's like actually forget that it's much more efficient if you aim for the head but then i'll just die immediately (laughs) better get talking guess you better not not say anything (laughs) Uh and Luffy assures and her saying, Don't worry, Nami, I'll get these arms ripped off in less than five seconds. <laughs> and Nami's like, I don't want either of those things to happen. And Luffy and the guards say simultaneously, Stop being selfish <laughs> This is so fucking weird. All of a sudden, Another voice appears, uh, saying, oh, hello, is anybody here? And the guard turns and says, you're not supposed to be allowed inside the castle. And, uh, the voice says, don't be difficult. There's battles and chaos all over. So sorry to do this, opera.
1: Nick, (laughs) should he get a voice? Go ahead. Um. Think of one. Oh, don't be difficult. There's battles and chaos. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to do this opera. Mm, Five thousand brick. fist. <laughs> <laughs> so monotone all the way through.
0: <laughs> the most monotone.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, Luffy, Nami, I heard they had you pretty
0: much, But I'm glad you're alright. God... <laughs> It's Jimbei, <laughs> um, who has come to save the day, um, and everyone, have, and Luffy and Nami, of course, are freaking out. They're so happy to see him, and it looks like Jimbei is going to finally start turning the fortunes of the Straw Hats around.
1: This is actually I, really cool. I'm, I'm glad to see Jinbei again.
0: Yeah, I was, I, uh, I really freaked out the first time that I, uh, read this chapter because it was like, ah, Jinbei's back. Ah. It is. Um, it's,
1: it's really cool because we haven't seen him in a while and it's like one of those things that's been in the back of my mind. Like Jinbei's still out there. We just don't know really doing what, but this was a really cool way to kind of bring him back
0: into it. Yes. <laughs> I agree, like fully. Um and I'm glad that uh, yeah, he didn't just like stay out of all the proceedings just because uh he was intimidated by Mama. Um Yeah. And uh potentially this might allow him to cut things off with her and uh, actually join the Straw Hats.
1: There's the potential that maybe he sacrificed light uh years instead, since we know that's an option. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's what happened instead, but Ultimately, it's just kind of nice because it's like, oh, okay, cool. We can finally see a character who... Like, it, it feels like now is a good point for the Straw Hats to start getting their turnabout, for things to start going in the Straw Hats' direction because things have been looking pretty dire for a bit. You know, Luffy and Nami have been held captive for a while. Sanji had like found out that Pudding betrayed him and Reiju's kind of being held prisoner. And, you know, uh, Brook's kind of caught up with Big Mom and seems to be kind of cornered. And then you have... Uh, Baron Tamago fighting Pedro, who's already admitted, like, I'm gonna die soon. So it's kind of nice, and uh, uh Chopper and uh, Carrot, for the longest time, look like they were held captive, so it's kind of nice to be like, okay, things are starting to turn about here, and this is a good way to do it.
0: Um And yeah, it's possible, uh, I mean, maybe he got away from the roulette thing, maybe he managed to strike a deal with her, because we saw that uh, Big Mom was willing to uh, except barter attempts, you know, like, oh, you know, well, Peckham's, you know, was freaking out so much fine. I'll reduce it by 10 years. And Pedro offered her his eye in order to make amends for her taking Tamago, So it took away another 10 years from the sentence. So, uh, maybe he managed to strike a deal with her somehow.
1: Yeah. It's very, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens, but I think it's, it's really kind of nice and welcoming to see Jim May back.
0: Mm-hmm. Also, Brooke did, uh, uh, say that he doubted the news that he had actually just cowed away from uh with, uh from Big Mom's offer. So there is something that that happened in that conversation that I'm sure he'll probably provide the details for at some point. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's one piece. Yeah, let's uh let's wrap this up. Uh okay, um, let's name our favorites this week. I'm actually having a really hard time deciding what my favorite uh, chapter was, honestly.
1: Uh, I'll go first, uh-huh. then, if you want. Okay. Uh, my favorite chapter this week was One Piece. I think One Piece was really strong kind of all the way through, with the the end kind of follow-up with the Sanji stuff and the, the, the little story that told, with the the scene of Brooke and Big Mom, uh, with uh, Jinbei showing back up. It was a, a really cool uh, sequence, I think a strong chapter kind of all the way through.
0: Uh, I totally get that. I am going to go with The Promised Neverland. That's because, I mean, for very different reasons. For, for, well, not for very different reasons, because it was, but it was, you know, just all the one scene that everything took place in. And, uh, you know, seeing the way that the three characters played off of each other, uh, particularly the way that Crone got to shine in it, uh, when she managed to glean that information from Emma and Norman, and really just kind of told them that she knew. What they had revealed to her just to freak them out in order to play off of, uh, in order to intimidate them and show them, oh yeah, this isn't going to be as easy as you think. Potentially make them more paranoid about the information that they could uh, be unknowingly providing for her. Um, my MVP is actually going to be kind of weird. I'm going with Opera from One Piece, the prison guard. Okay. Just because, like, okay. Crone probably deserves it more. Jim Bay probably deserves it more. Pudding probably deserves it more. Uh Hell, Mars probably deserves it more, honestly. Um, but this was, like, the most unexpected amount of entertainment that I got from a character this week, and so I'm going to recognize that for just purely for, well, you better go talking, then. <laughs>
1: hey, you know what? That's very fair. I can completely understand that. Uh. I'm giving it to Sanji this week. Uh, I know Brooke was also a really big uh, kind of contender for that, but I really just like the story that was told here with Sanji again, completely without using dialogue. It was just a really powerful kind of moment, and I think it's, I'm really excited to see his turnabout, how he responds to all this.
0: So uh really like that. So one with a character that didn't do it do or say anything. <laughs> <laughs> and our audience chose overwhelmingly One Piece. Uh, I should say. I was was like the one that got at all close to it, but still, One Piece had literally half the vote this week, so. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah. Um, also, Brooke, we should give a mission to Brooke. He was told badass, had, uh, one of, I think an early contender for, like, speech of the, of the year. I think we should make a note of that one. Do
1: we want speech? I'm actually, uh, I'm, working on the new uh, superlative awards already, and I've actually right. taken a couple of suggestions from people, and one of the new categories I have uh, separate from best speech is best one-liner. Mm. So I put in there the young lady. What kind the of young lady? She <laughs> the expectation of dying. Good um, stuff. If, if people want best speech in there, go go right ahead, but uh, I'd put that in for best one-liner. Um, I should note, uh, you can still send in any of those suggestions if you want new categories. Just let us know. Um more than welcome to hear ideas.
0: All right. All right. So that is going to do it here for Weekly Manga Recap. Thank you, everyone, for joining us here for our show. We do the recording live on Hitbox and Twitch.tv, both slash Rolo T. And, uh yeah, you can join us for the live recording, if, or you can also just check out our past episodes in a bunch of different places. There's dot com, YouTube, iTunes, and if you uh, check us out on those, be sure to subscribe, leave a comment, leave a rating, and it's especially important for iTunes because you can help us to beat the woodworking podcast in the hobby section and rise up in the rankings. I
1: need to give a special thanks, actually, to a couple people. We got uh, a, a couple of new reviews. One from P O P-O-B-2. This is an absolutely amazing podcast. They were the first ones to convince me to do Patreon, and I have not regretted a minute of it. They're always funny and worth listening to. So... Thank you very much, POV Two, and also to Baku and Ryu, who says, "I'll say this: is a fun podcast to listen to, and die in a fire for what you said about Senri from Plus Anima."
0: I don't even remember that at all. Fair <laughs>
1: enough. I, you know, there's a lot of things I should probably die in a fire Plus for, and that, uh, that probably that was years it. ago. It's a while ago. This person held a grudge.
0: <laughs> but thank I you know. very
1: much for the uh, the review. It is greatly yeah. appreciated.
0: Be sure to follow us on Twitter so that you can stay updated on the show. You can follow your hosts at RolloT and at y Roller of Time, And the official Weekly Manga Recap Twitter account is WMR Podcast. And you should definitely check that out. If you want to make suggestions for manga for us to add to our regular lineup, uh, Chris made a post recently. You can just reply to that. Or you can, of course, send suggestions to us via email. Yes. Speaking of email, Recap at yahoo.com. Not only can you use that to add stuff to our weekly uh, review, but you can also suggest manga for us to cover for individual episodes, as well as ask us questions for our Q and a additions and to provide helpful criticism to help us improve the show overall. Special thanks go out to all of our Patreon supporters. Your support allows us to create all sorts of bonus content for you guys to enjoy. Like we said, at the top of the show, we passed the $900 mark recently, uh, our next goal is uh, going to be to uh, increase not increase, but to uh, make more Trollotee trivia episodes. That is our current nine hundred fifty dollar milestone. So if you liked the Bleach uh QA not QA the Bleach trivia episode and would like to see us do more goofy, weird stuff like that with a Incredibly unfair host who is actually very fair. Please don't penalize me on the next episode. <laughs>
1: I, I have plans in motion for a hat. I'll have everyone know a hat. To, get, to give you the notion as the quizmaster. I have a hat. The quizmaster. Quizmaster.
0: <laughs> I can't imagine. Pa- I can't imagine Pot saying that line without like a top hat randomly a- appearing what on his head every exactly. time.
1: Uh, but I, I do want to give a special thing. As you mentioned, we we reached a new goal and. and that's due, and no small parts fact we have quite a few new pa- patrons to uh give thanks to so
0: there's another us- milestone that we reached We have like over two hundred supporters now on patreon yeah, guys, that's crazy
1: it's incredible um it, it's extremely awesome I, I i thank everybody for the support. I hope all of you guys are enjoying it we we definitely uh we definitely appreciate it we definitely want to <laughs> let you know that we're going to continue working on the show and and building it up because we have a lot of very cool ideas for this. Um, but uh, I just want to take a moment to thank uh, Ryan Elk, Danny Von Overbeek, Pashal Dooley, Reborn, Ski Mono, and John. Thank you all of you for supporting; it is greatly appreciated. Fist bump! Thank you guys. Party move!
0: <laughs> <laughs> Special thanks also go out to the guys who help us make the podcast. What is Steve Mann, our talker artist? As well as Infamous Planet, the creator of the frame around us, and sometimes creator of visual editions of the podcast. Thanks, guys. Show wouldn't be the same without you. You can go ahead and insult uh, Infamous if you want to. Now, what a dickhead! Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I mean, guys, we're we're gonna be making some changes to the podcast in 2017. That is not gonna be one of them.
1: Seven thousand percent less Brits on the show. <laughs> it seems like a very strong number, but I I believe 7, that we can reach it. That's <laughs> my goal. Some say not ambitious enough. That's what I <laughs> say.
0: Alright, that is gonna do it everyone. Thank you for joining us for the Monkey Recap. We will see you next week when uh, we should be covering Barum Eyokoso, uh, which is something that I'm definitely looking forward to talking about. Uh, yeah, what do we, I don't know, what should we go out on this time?
1: Um, let's go out on a very Patient and, you know, forthright discussion on the merits of uh, syndicated television against uh, new age kind of uh, Netflix original television. (laughs) It's like you pull a cigar out of nowhere. I don't know why I picked like a non really interesting topic to put that on. (laughs) Indeed. It's like, I was like, let's talk about the current European Union crisis. It was like, Nick, do you, do you think Parks and Rec is better than Stranger Things? Like, those two aren't really even similar.
0: Not even even the remotely the same genre, in fact.
1: I guess they're both television. I don't know how to really compare them beyond <laughs> that. <laughs> Bye.